I want you today to open your Bible to Romans chapter 14, if you will, please. Romans chapter 14. I want to read beginning at verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. One believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. But none of us, for none of us liveth to himself, and none of us dieth to himself. Now let's bow for a moment of prayer, if you will, please. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God that we've read today. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's in our service today. We thank you for the privilege of fellowship together with those of like precious faith. We would pray for our service here today in this auditorium. We would also pray as the service goes out over the airways into many, many homes and hospital rooms and other places. We ask the Spirit of God may attend the preaching of the Word of God, that the message might be taken to our hearts, we might receive it gladly and obey its precepts. Thank you for your goodness to us, and have your way in this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in chapter 14, Paul is not dealing with disobedience or distortion of clear Bible doctrine. Get that straight. Uh, this passage, rather, is dealing with differences of opinion concerning practices not specifically mentioned in the Bible, or variations in maturity. I want to make that very clear as we get started here. Uh, there are some things that uh, we do that are not necessarily mentioned in the Bible. For instance, the Bible said a woman's hair is her covering. It doesn't say it's supposed to be two inches below her ear or down on her shoulder. It's enough to make her look modestly like a lady, that's all. Somebody's like their hair down on their shoulder. If you had to put it there, that's all right, no problem. If it's down to here, that's all right, no problem. As long as I can tell you're a lady. doesn't say how long it's supposed to be. You can't find that in the Bible, say. So that's a matter of opinion there, right? Nod your head if that's right. Right, okay. It's a matter of opinion, okay. Uh, the Bible said a woman ought to dress modestly. I believe a woman ought to have her dress down lower knees. But it doesn't say she has to have it down to her ankle. See? Now, if a lady wants to wear it to her ankle, that's her privilege. You understand that? That's an opinion. Let's be honest with the Bible now. See? And so he's talking about uh, the matter of uh, uh, people being able to disagree and disagree agreeably. You see? Now, uh, God's Word has given us some guidelines. Uh, for Christian behavior and lifestyle. But remember this. All Christians do not arrive 
at the same level of maturity at the same time. You heard what I said, didn't you? And that's true. A person is saved six months does not have the level of maturity of a person that's saved ten years. We need to take that into consideration, you know, when we're dealing with people. Now, uh, God's given us some guidelines. I want, to, I want to give you these scriptural guidelines. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, he says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient uh, for my, and that means not for my spiritual good. Let me give you that again. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. That means all things are lawful for me, but all things are not necessarily good for me. See? Does Sam Samuel say that? All right. But he said, I will not be brought under the power of any. I will not allow anything to enslave me. If I'm going to be enslaved to anybody, I can be a slave to Christ. All right. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verse 12. Now, in 1 Corinthians verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 9, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours. You see, I believe in Christian liberty. I'm saved by the grace of God, not by the law of Moses. Now, he says here, Take heed, lest any, any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. What he's saying is as a Christian, if I'm a mature Christian, if I've grown some, I need to consider a weaker brother and not to do anything in my life would cause that weaker brother to stumble. That's what he's saying. That's my responsibility. That's a guideline. Now, he gives another verse. says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, but all things edify not. He said, all things don't necessarily contribute to my spiritual growth. See? Ought to be concerned about growing spiritually. And I've been saved 53 years, and I'm still growing. Now, some of you have already arrived, but I haven't. I'm still growing. See? And, and, and listen, uh, anything that will not help me spiritually, but has, is adverse to my spiritual development, I need to leave it alone. See? Now, he gives us another passage here. He says uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatsoever, whatsoever you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. If the thing that I do, I cannot do to the glory of God, I best not do it. These are guidelines. Very simple. Now, he gives us another passage here in, first, in the Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. He says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. In other words, if I can't do it with real soul satisfaction, I've done the right thing, best thing to do is leave it alone. Okay? Now he says something else here. He says in Romans chapter, First John chapter 3 verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. In other words, the thing that I do, can I do it without a sense of personal guilt? Now again, he says to us in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, He that doubteth is damned or condemned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What he's saying is, if you have doubts about something, a safe rule is just don't do it. 
okay? Those are guidelines. Uh, but they don't cover everything you say. Uh, there are things that Christians may disagree on and don't have to be disagreeable about it. All right. Now, uh, this chapter really is a chapter you could say is based on Christian liberty, because it is. And, of course, uh, uh, Christian liberty means I'm at liberty to walk in obedience to the Word of God, and as I obey the Word of God and practice it, God gives me more light from the Word of God. I won't say something today, you won't agree, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Anybody that's been truly born again, I'm talking about, not talking about just making a profession, but been converted to Jesus Christ. That person has the Spirit of God living in their heart. You don't believe that, you don't believe the Bible. And the Spirit of God living in their heart will give them light on the Word of God. And any born-again person truly saved by the grace of God, who reads your Bible and prays and enjoys Christian fellowship with God's people will grow. Some faster than others, but they'll grow. Now you can count on that as sure as the sunrise over there in the east. And I'm looking at it right now. Now, uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17, now, the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where's the Spirit of God today? Tell me. Do you believe He's dwelling in every believer? Do you believe that? Then where He is, there's liberty. Is that what it says? All right. That means I have the liberty as a Christian to walk with God, to know the Lord Jesus, my Savior, know the presence of the Holy Spirit, and to grow in my knowledge of Him. All right. Now, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, For brethren, ye have been called into liberty, only use not a liberty for an occasion to serve the flesh, but by, by love serve one another, he says. In other words, I'm at liberty. I don't use that liberty to pamper the flesh. He used that liberty to serve and to be a blessing to God's people on the day to me. See? That's what liberty means. Liberty don't mean you have a license to do as you please. Uh, we, we like to uh, talk about the fact that in America we have liberty. We do have certain liberties. They're being encroached upon some now, but we have liberty. But that's liberty we exercise uh, in the framework of a lawful society. You see? You understand that? That's the way it works. Now, something else he says here in John chapter... 8, verse 32, he said, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Liberty. What's well, talking about? Liberty. Well, uh, I, I believe in Christian liberty. I do. I don't believe that uh, I am strapped down by the law or the Ten Commandments or strapped down by a set of rules somebody gives me. I believe I have liberty to live for Christ. And love him and serve him. Everyone has that same privilege. We're born again. Now, uh, he says uh, in uh, Galatians 5, 1, says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not entangled again with the law of bondage, you say. 
That means God's emancipated you from the rules of the Ten Commandments. Christ, uh, uh, Romans 10.4, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to all who believe. Now, uh, he tells in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, As free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. We're at liberty, preeminently, to serve the Lord. That's what it's all about, see. This liberty is, is exercised and negotiated by grace. Don't ever forget what he said in Titus 2.11, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, grace of God, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live godly, righteously in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I, I'm a strong proponent of Christian liberty. I didn't say license, I said liberty. And I believe every one of God's children has spiritual liberty. With all of my heart. Now, as I look at this passage, I want to share with you several things. There are several statements in here that I just want to call your attention to. I'm not going to really uh, give you a lot of depth about it, but just some statements about it. You'll notice in verse 1, he makes a statement, he said, uh, He that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Notice the statement there. He that is weak, but he's in the faith. He's weak. But it's in the faith. Don't forget that now. So he said, that being the case, you receive him without judging him or being contentious about him. He's in the faith. He's standing on the same level you are if he's saved. Right? So he says, receive him. That means welcome him into your friendship, your hospitality, spiritually speaking. Not to doubtful disputation. Now, uh, you may see a Christian that doesn't quite see things like you do. So what do you do? You treat him like a brother. Or you treat him like a sister. Or you treat him like your equal, you say. And as, as I said a moment ago, it, it, maybe some people here have been saved six months. Maybe you've been saved ten years. You've just got nine and a half year jump start on them. You ought to know more than they do. But you ought to be considered up to know that there's a growing process going on in every Christian's life. And people are at various levels of maturity. But they're in the faith. Now, he makes another statement here. He says, uh, One believeth that he may eat all things, and those who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise or treat with contempt, he that eateth not. And let not him that eateth not judge him that eateth. Now, of course, uh, what Paul was encountering here, uh, people were being saved out of idolatry. And uh, in idol worship, they would take these animal carcasses into the temple to offer them for sacrifice. Then the meat of the animals taken down to the marketplace. Well, a Christian, he said, I don't mean a thing to me. 
And he'd go in the marketplace. He didn't say, he'd walk around the meat counter and say, was that offered to idols? He just bought his meat, you say. And he took it home and it. Now, some of those young Christians been saved out of idolatry. They thought that was wrong, you know. That ought not to be. And that's the way they felt because they didn't understand fully the grace of God yet and the liberty they had, you see. And so uh, the Bible says here's one that uh, one, uh, says, uh, I can't eat that because uh, that's uh, offered to idols, and I was just saved out of idolatry. And I understand why he feels that way. He's a young Christian. He hasn't uh, caught on about all the liberty God has. Uh, and the other says, well, look, that idol's not a thing in the world, and I didn't go in there and check on see who, who was offered to. I just saw it in the marketplace, and I bought it and eat it. Well, uh, he says, uh, the man that doesn't eat, he's weak a little bit on matter. He doesn't understand what it's all about. But he said, you receive him anyhow. Don't you be unkind and abusive to him because he don't see things just like you do. See? And so he's saying that uh, we're to receive him. He said, uh, he said, I like what he said in the latter part of that verse. He said, let not him that eateth not judge me, for God has received him. If God's received him, don't you reject him. Who are you to reject the one God's received? Who am I? Am I right? Sure. Now, uh, believers differ in maturity, uh, in understanding of spiritual things, and in the establishment of biblical convictions. And, of course, uh, let me tell you something. If everybody here to be honest, some things you've done after you first got saved you wouldn't do today. If you'd be honest about it. Why? Because you've grown. So give everybody the right to do what you did. Grow. Okay? We're talking about a thing here that can cause problems if you don't understand what's going on. Now, uh, everyone that has received Christ... Whether they're saved for one week or for 20 years, one's just as saved as the other. I don't know when you got saved. I know some of the folks here got saved about a year ago. I did some of the Lord back there about a year ago, and I, I know one thing. The very night they accepted Christ in their home, they were just as saved as I have been for the last 53 years. I'm talking about fully saved. Not part saved, fully saved. Immediately. By the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ, having been born again. Now, there's another statement here I want you to see. Uh, look at verse uh, 4, if you will, please. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God's able to make him stand. That's very clear. Uh, who art thou to judge another man's servant? God's able to make him stand. Uh, too often, our idea is that God, God, you save him, turn him over to me, and I'll straighten him out for you. God doesn't work that way. My job is not to straighten people out. My job is to preach the Word of God to you. Your job is to hear the Word of God and to obey its precepts and apply it to your life and live accordingly. 
You know, uh, my Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, being confident this very thing, that he which had, had begun a good work and you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. You be sure of one thing, what God starts in a person's life, God will finish. You don't have to help him either. He can do it. Now, uh, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, uh, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Oh, no. No, the work of growth in the life of the believer goes on under the teaching and the pedagogy of the Holy Spirit. You see, everybody's saved, according to First uh, John 2, 27, everybody's saved has the Spirit of God living in them to teach them. And Jesus promised for uh, leaving, he said, when the Spirit of God has come, he will teach you. He will teach you, and he will guide you into all truth. And he does teach. And he said, uh, you don't have to you don't have to, to worry about him. Uh, God's gonna make him stand. And he is. Uh, I believe when God starts a job in a person's life, and when God starts it, I'm not talking about just going through the motions, making a profession, or reading the Roman road. I'm talking about getting saved, getting born again, getting converted. When that happens, God begins to work. And God will pursue that work. And will God will bring that work to maturity, and God will finally bring that person to heaven with him. I believe that. Uh, I can't make Christians grow. But I, I got news for you, you can't either, by the way. If the Spirit of God doesn't do it, it won't get done. I got another statement here I want to read in verse 5. Look at it, please. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another man esteemeth every day alike. Let every man, note the language there, be fully persuaded in his own mind. When I come to a conviction in the Word of God, and God shows me that's the truth, and that's what's needed in my life, I form a conviction there. And I form a persuasion of what God has showed me in His Word for me, for my spiritual good, is right. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to preach it. Well, we had Dean Burgon Society here a couple of years ago. I said to one of the key men, then stand right over there. I said, tell you what I believe. He said, what's that? I said, I believe that everything that God has preserved us in the King James Bible is of equal divine authority and perfection with the original manuscripts. I said, God would not preserve something inferior. He said, well, we believe that, but we don't talk about it. I said, sir, I, anything I believe, I'll talk about it. And I will. Now, in verse 5, he talks about this matter. He says, be persuaded his own mind. Paul asked the Galatian believers, said, ye did run well. 
who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. We must always be sure that, uh, and I, I believe it's nice to help young Christians. I do. But you better be sure you give them the truth, not your opinion. Not how you've reasoned things out. Not how you say it, but how the Bible says it. Because that's what men need to hear and women need to hear. What this book says. Now, uh, he gives another statement here uh, in verse uh, 6 and 7. Uh, actually, verse 5 through 7, he says, uh, One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike, let every man fully persuade in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day, regardeth it not unto the Lord. The Lord doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, but for he giveth God thanks. And let him that eateth not, the Lord he give, eateth not, giveth God thanks. For none of us, note this now, none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. He's talking here about the power and the effect of personal influence. Your life, every day you live, is influencing somebody. Influence is a thing that you cannot get away from. It's like your shadow. It goes with you everywhere you go. It influences people. It may discourage them. It may motivate them. But it's your shadow because it's your influence. The Bible tells us that our influence is a very valuable and important thing. You influence people one way or the other. Influence. Uh, you can't get away from your influence. It's part of you. It emanates from your life every day that you live. Your attitude, your influence emanates from your life every day that you live. It's like just like a, an antenna going out to touch the lives of other people. You know, and and you know, uh, uh, influence is something that really never dies. A man may have a lot of weaknesses. But when he dies, you take his body and lay it out in the casket. And all of his weaknesses are forgotten. His influence is remembered if it's good. It's there still. It survives him. It's a powerful thing. It affects other people the way you live. Your attitude, your influence is of indescribable power and effectiveness. Now, uh, Paul talks about influence. He says to us, he says, uh, that no man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. You affect somebody by the way you live. It's uh, inescapable. Uh, personal influence, uh, you need to guard it with care. And uh, he said, uh, that's why I told him, said, uh, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, you see. So that's a very important statement there. No man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. And you need to ask yourself, I need to ask myself, what kind of influence is my life having on the people that I come in contact with? Now, there's another statement here I want you to see. Uh, Paul asked the question in verse 10. He said, why dost thou judge thy brother? He asked a question there. Or why dost thou set it not? 
And that word naught, you ought to look it up in your dictionary or your concordance, anything you've got. And the word naught there has the idea, cause you to look down on a brother as being inferior to you. Let me tell you something. No born-again believer who lives is inferior to you. Every born-again believer that you know is your equal as far as God's concerned. And he says, why does that? Then he says, uh, we shall all. We shall all, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter how much you know, how smart you are, how spiritual you are, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every last one of us. Every last one of us. You're going to stand there. The fact you're real spiritual, mature, and you're top of the line spiritual doesn't mean you're going to escape it. You're not. We're all going to stand there. And we're all going to give account of the life we've lived, the light God gave us upon His Word, and the way we've walked in the Christian life and what we've been able to accomplish by the grace of God for the glory of Christ. We're going to stand there. I'll guarantee that's one appointment we're all going to keep. Every last one of us. Now, I'll tell you something about we believers. We're not in a very good position to set in judgment on our other brothers all the time. As long as you and I live in this body, this old rotten fall of nature, we're subject to be just as mean as the devil sometimes. Not me. I know. Tell me about it. I know what you're made of. I know what I'm made of. And I don't feel I have a right to set in judgment on everybody else, but I got a problem with the nature inside of here. And anyhow, I can't judge them because they're going to answer God anyhow, not me. Thank you. Got one, amen. I said, some folks have roast preacher for dinner. I hope it tastes good because I'm going to preach it anyhow. <laughs> I hope it tastes good. I'm going to preach it anyhow. Preaching of hair lips the devil. I was up here mixing this bread late last night. Well, now, uh, he gives us another statement here in verse 11 and 12. He said, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that every one shall give account of himself to God. That's right. You won't give account for anybody else. They won't give account for you either. You're going to stand there. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to give account for Al Dickerson. And that's not going to be a fun time. It's good to be there because the end result's heaven. But it's not going to be a fun time. Now, you know... Uh, let us not therefore judge one another, he said, verse 13, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Uh, said, let's help each other along the way to move up toward heaven. You know, uh, uh, Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 21, he said, follow me. And Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved that leaned on his breast, which was John. 
Peter said, Lord, what will this man do? He said, Peter, tend your own business. Don't worry about him. He said, uh, if I will, he tarry till I come. What's that to thee? Follow thou me. Well, it says to every believer. We spend all the time worrying about everybody else, you know. What's he going to do? What's she going to do? Well, just take care of old number one. That's the biggest job we've ever had in our life. I told you what Moody said. He said the man who gave him the most trouble in the world was the man who walked under his hat. He said, I don't wear a hat. We'll put one on. You'll find out what he's talking about. So, uh, what can I do to be a help and a blessing to my brethren and my sisters in Christ? Well, first of all, I can pray regularly for them. I can do that. By the grace of God, I try to do that too. I don't pray just for the deacons. I try to pray for everybody in this church. And I pretty well know you by name. That's the first thing we can do for every believer is pray for him. If I see a brother has a problem, don't get on his back. Pray for him. Lift him up to God. That's what you need to do, you say. Secondly, realizing he's my equal in Christ, I'm to love him with a sincere Christian love. I may not always agree with him. And I'm sure we don't always agree with each other. But we all love each other in spite of that. We're going to be together eternally. Look like we learned to love somebody down here. Well, he said, that's when we get to heaven. Well, let's get ready for heaven then by doing that. And as I said a moment ago, treat every Christian as your equal in Christ. Don't look down on them. Don't talk down to them. They're your equal in Christ if they're born again. Learn to be kind, hospitable to God's people. Always give them clear, biblical counseling. Don't give them your philosophy or your idea or your opinion or your reasoning. Give them the Bible. And encourage them in Christian fellowship. Let's pray.